words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned on this program no longer exist. Blind Like Me does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. Welcome to this week's edition of our little show called Blind Like Me on ACB Radio and on Radio Reading Services, as well as Laura often I'll say, throughout the nation. We can't name any, but we're on quite a few. Our guest this week is a gentleman from, uh, I think he said, he said about 30 miles south of Boston, Massachusetts. His name is Frank Sawyer. Frank, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, uh, everybody, and thanks for having me on this program. And I hope I can... Um Give you a little bit of uh, an idea of what I do. <laughs> well, you have heard the show because you wrote to me, so obviously you have listened to uh, some of our some of our past shows, right? Yes, I have, and uh, I think uh, uh, I think you interview yes. uh, uh, people pretty good. You you always get plenty of questions, and 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 uh, you don't ha- I don't have to worry about. Uh, uh, what to say? <laughs> well, there goes your clock. I just heard it. I just heard you. You yes. you, you have one of the old talking times, don't you? The old yeah. calculator. Yeah, that was uh, the alarm was uh, probably set for, for oh, something. Yeah, I've I've got one of those. They don't make those anymore, and that's a shame. No, were, I think uh, it was from the Radio Shack. Yeah, uh, is that where yours is from, Radio Shack? Yeah, and uh, the Radio Shack. Uh, they used to make a lot of good stuff, but they uh, discontinued. Uh, yeah, they had a talking volt ohm meter at one time. Um, they oh all... yes, I I I got one of those, and uh, it uh, it uh, uh, stopped working, and I could never find anybody to repair it. Yeah, they don't support those anymore. Radio Shack doesn't. Right. Um... Right. Anyway, you um, you were you uh, is your to- are you totally blind? Uh, yes. Well, I just have light perception. Light perception. Now, how were you born this way, or what? What? Uh, how did your eye condition come about? No, I um, <clears throat> when I was ten years old, I had a uh, a brain tumor, a malignant uh, um, brain tumor. My. That they. They took out and um, didn't expect me to live. Uh, so uh, 
but I fooled them all. <laughs> yes, uh, you did, didn't you? And um, usually you have people that have brain tumors like that within three years, it usually comes back again, and uh, then it's fatal. But uh, that uh, didn't happen with me at all. And uh, my doctor uh, often said to me that if I got you a day before I uh, operated on you, I would have saved your sight. And if it was a day after, you wouldn't be here. Uh, really? So uh, that was that was a blessing. That uh, uh, so, if I had gotten you a day before, I probably could have saved your sight. If I'd gotten you a day after, I probably would have lost you altogether. Yeah, yeah. So the the cancer was growing that that rapidly. Yes. Yeah. My heavens, that's that's scary to think about, isn't it? It's, uh, uh, and I don't know. It's it's hard to say how long it was there, how long it was growing. But uh, sometimes they say it takes, uh, you know, ten years or so for it to grow. So this began with uh, with headaches, or it began how? Oh yeah, you? yeah, with headaches, and uh, I would lose my let's see, uh, my uh, equilib equilibrium. Couldn't stand up. Couldn't lost your balance. Yeah. yeah, and uh, then I, I think I, I think I just, I start, I barely started losing my sight too, uh -huh. and uh, at that time, uh, uh, a family doctor that was taking care of me said, "Well, it's time for you to go to uh, a um, a sinus." Uh, doctor, because they thought it was I had sinus problems, and that uh, doctor that we went to, the sinus doctor, he took one look at me and he said to my parents, "You got him in the hospital right away." Uh, so we didn't even go home. I went right directly to the hospital, and uh, I don't remember too much about what happened then, but. Um, my father uh, had said that um, all that night there was a parade of doctors going through my room all looking at me uh -huh. and shaking their head and said, no, we can't do anything for him until uh, one particular came along and he says, yes, I've had good luck with uh with brain tumors, I might be able to do something. So they figured out pretty quick that it was a brain tumor. Didn't, yes. didn't take them long to decide that. No, I guess they knew right away from, from. Uh, I think when they look in your eyes, they can tell uh -huh. um, by the way the, the retina looks uh, in, in back there. But... Uh, now, if you don't mind me asking, what what period of time was this? The fifties, forties, sixties? No, this was uh, about nineteen fifty-one, I think it was. So you were ten years old, and so but we didn't have the medical advances. Did they? They had X-ray then, or did they not? Uh, yeah, they had X-rays and they had X-ray treatment. 
mm-hmm. um, which uh, is what I had, and is probably part of what saved me is uh, the X-ray treatments because they couldn't get the whole brain tumor out, uh, and they relied on this radiation treatments uh-huh. to uh, uh, to kill the rest of it, and evidently it worked uh, because they said that uh, well that's that's his only only chance. And uh, I guess at that time they gave me more X-ray treatments than anybody had had ever had uh, previously. But they actually they actually did a physical operation and went in there and took the tumor out. What they could take of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had you know an operation. Uh, yeah. A two two part operation. And. Um, <clears throat> They did what they what they could, and uh, sure. I don't. Uh, I can't remember uh, too much of that. I don't know whether I was unconscious or uh, or what. But uh, anyway, my father uh, came in and said, "You lost your sight, and uh, there's probably no chance of it coming back." And I can remember when I was in the hospital, I was in uh, for probably two months or so. And uh, one day, he one one night, he was uh, visiting, and he was ready to go, and he turned off the light. And I says, uh, when he turned it out, I said, gee, turn that on. And uh, I could tell whether it was on or off. Yeah. But that's as far as anything progressed. And that's as that's as much sight as you got back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it must have been pretty traumatic for a ten year old. You say you don't really remember too much about it anymore. No. Uh, I uh, oh vaguely remember uh, some parts of it. I, yeah. I remember that my parents were very very supportive of it and. I think it was just about every weekday night they came to visit me, and uh, this this was when, let's see, I was in Mass General in Boston, mm-hmm. and at that time we were living uh, on the North Shore, the the uh, north of Boston, mm-hmm. but and now we're living south of Boston. Yeah. Um, so it was probably a, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it was too too far away uh, for them, and they they always made a trip to come in and read me stories and stuff like that. And uh, my father was a uh, he worked for a company called Cigarette Service. Uh-huh. And at that time, they used to go around servicing cigarette machines okay. and uh, filling them up. And uh, uh, I think that he would be uh, very, very surprised uh, if he heard that <laughs> nobody has any cigarette machines anymore. 
No, I don't. We don't. People don't smoke anymore, like they did. Yeah. Not uh, right. you know. Right. You used to ever. You used to. You could smoke anywhere. You smoke in the doctor's office. But uh, those you know, smoke in the hospital. I've I've been in the hospital smoking cigarettes, but they no more. But uh, your and your mother, your father had to keep working every day. And do you have uh, you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I had two sisters and uh, one brother. So so your mother was having to take care of them and uh, trying to make some time to come and see you in the hospital. Yeah, for two months. So it was pretty pretty traumatic for them, I guess. Also, I I guess uh, she must have had a. Uh, Get a babysitter for yeah for the other um, for the other kids, but up until uh, then, up until that this all happened to you, you had gone to public school, you had started school, you had begun to learn arithmetic and uh, yeah. uh, reading yeah. and writing, and you'd be, you just started normal school like uh, like any other child. Never thought about right. being blind. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, pardon? I said, all of a sudden, you were totally blind. Yeah. And so they decided to do what? To send you to uh, uh, to uh, Perkins School for the Blind. Yeah, one of the best. Do you uh, you're familiar with that? Oh yeah, everybody knows about Perkins. It's it's one of the leading schools for the blind education uh, yeah. facilities for the blind uh, anywhere. And um, that was um, really wasn't too far away. Um, probably. Maybe twenty or thirty, thirty miles away from where we uh, lived uh-huh. at that time, and uh, uh, let's see, they, uh, I, I did not, you know, think much of the idea. I did not want to go to <laughs> a uh, a boarding school. Uh, I wanted to be able to come home every day to uh, uh, just uh, just uh, do my thing. Well, to be with your parents and be with your brothers and sisters, of course. Yeah, yeah, like a yeah a normal child would. So, so not only they they took your eyesight away, but they also sent you away to a school that was far away from home, didn't they? Yeah. So yeah. that was, that's pretty hard on a ten-year-old kid uh, to have all that happen to him. Right. Um, yeah, it was, and uh, I used to. Uh, well, I used to hate it there. Did you? But uh, now that I look back on it, it was the best thing for me. Well, it was the only thing for you. It was the only thing they could do. Yeah. Uh, there really weren't too many other choices back in uh, 1951. No, uh, there weren't there weren't many other choices but to send you to the the school. But it was far enough away that you couldn't go home every night because thirty miles in nineteen fifty one was a lot further than it is now. Right, you're right. Uh, yeah. You didn't have freeways. I mean, it would have took you an hour to do that thirty minute trip. Yeah. Uh, whereas now you do it in twenty minutes. Right. Um, so you stayed there every. Uh, did you go home on weekends? Yes, I went home on weekends, and I used to. Just wait for Friday to come oh, yeah. because I was so excited about going home on weekends. And uh, uh, the thing is that uh, you know, like in any school, if you get uh, a certain amount of demerits, uh, 
you have to stay for the weekend. Oh, yeah? And uh, one time that happened to me, and I I was just devastated that I had stayed there for the whole weekend and uh, not get home to uh, pull around with all my projects. And back then I did have uh, many little projects that I was that I was interested like, in. Like what? Like what kind of projects? Um, well, pulling with um, uh, with uh, cars. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a, uh, a car that I used to uh, uh, just tinker with to see if I could get it going. and uh, Never did much driving with it. But my brother was... Uh, my brother was sighted, and he was always right with me and very supportive of me and uh, helped me out and everything. And eventually we got uh, so we could uh, drive one of these. It was a Model A Ford that was, uh, the body was taken off and everything, and it was, it was kind of high, and it was good for going up in the woods. Because we had about, uh, it was about five acres um, at that time. And mm-hmm. so my brother and I used to uh, uh, take rides and, and make roads up there. And, oh, we used to have a ball. Uh, and uh, if, I, uh, if I missed that any weekend. <laughs> but their punishment of you was making you stay over the weekend at school for the blind instead yeah. of getting to go home you and that was the way there that was their method of punishing you i'm really surprised your parents let them do that oh yeah um but uh you know um since i learned that if i was a bad boy i'd have to stay there uh-huh. and i did not get too many demerits it, it, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> it was successful. Now you and your brother were trying to learn, were wanting, wanting to learn how cars worked and what made the engine run, and yeah, and, uh, uh, you and that started before you lost your eyesight. Uh, let's see. Um, no, I I don't think so. Oh, you think after? It, okay. it was after. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. That I got uh, uh, that I got interested in uh, in uh, automobiles uh, and uh, it seems though like when I lost my sight I uh, I guess I I had the attitude uh, well whatever whatever I want to do I'm gonna do uh-huh and uh, I'm not gonna uh, you know, be held held back. Yeah. And my my parents were that way too. They said, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it. We'll support you a hundred percent. And uh, my father, he was he got interested in everything that I was interested in. So so he could help me out. Uh, well, that's good. That's, 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 that's good. Let's, I'll tell you what, let's do, let's take a short break, and we want to talk about your experience at the 
at the uh, School for the Blind, the Overbrook School for the Blind there. Just a few minutes back with more Blind Like Me. Hang on. Be right back. Nobody can answer. And so with this week's On the Blind Side, here's Susie Barnes. The Dallas Jazz Orchestra has celebrated its 30th anniversary. Among the performers accompanied by this group are Billy Eckstein, Bob Hope, Mel Torme, Doc Severinsen, and Dan Hollis, who performed as jazz pianist with the group on February 19th on the campus of SMU. Born and educated in Tennessee, his musical aptitude was recognized at an early age as a student at the Tennessee School for the Blind. As a seventh grader playing trombone, he joined the Dixielanders, a jazz group organized by older members of the school band. By his senior year, the seven-piece had dwindled to three, and at that point, he joined the Nashville Musicians Local, where he began performing professionally. His contacts in this market encouraged him to pursue his college training in Memphis. In the early 60s, he was in the midst of a booming rhythm and blues market where he was able to find work supporting himself by being a sideman, a session musician as both keyboard and trombonist, and he led his own group. After graduation, he accepted a teaching position in Texas. He's performed as an active member of the famed Levy Dixieland Band, Tommy Lloyd and the Upper Dallas Jazz Orchestra, and the Swing Shift, where he and Donnie Gilliland worked and with whom he has remained friends. His professional career has spanned the decades from 1960s to the present, and in spite of time spent in customer service and technology training for survival, he has spent his life either as a music teacher or performer. You can catch Dan at the Wendell Tavern 
on Greenville, Greenville Boulevard in Dallas on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. That's a small sketch of Dan Hollis. And I'm Susie Barnes, and this has been Blindside. On the Blind Side, chronicling the contribution of blind people to societal evolution. Back to part two, Blind Like Me. Our, our guest is Frank Sawyer, and when you hear Frank talk, you're going to know. I won't have to tell you where Frank is from. <laughs> his his accent will give him away. I guarantee you, it's ka. It's not car, it's ka. It's ka talk. You sound like click and clack. You, do you listen to them on NPR, those guys that do car talk? Have you heard about them? Oh, yeah, I'd listen to them. Yeah, well, you, you sound just like them. <laughs> you have that Boston accent. So you brain tumor at age 10, and that caused your blindness. So the world became uh, dark for the rest of your 60-plus uh, years and um, got yeah. into got into learning. Did they start teaching you Braille there at Overbrook School? Uh, pardon? Did they start teaching you Braille? Oh, yes. Yes, that was... Uh... That was the first thing they started to do, and uh, when I uh, when when I got uh, sick with the tumor, I was uh, it was just about the end of the school year of my uh, fifth grade uh-huh. uh, uh, fifth grade class, and uh, of course when I went to Perkins, Perkins, said, yeah. Uh, well, we're going to put you in the fifth grade. And I said, oh, but I already came out of the fifth grade. And I said, well, no, we, we're going to do that. Uh, that'll be the best thing for you. Perkins, and, uh, Perkins Institute. I think I said, what did I, I said Overbrook while ago. That's not right, is it? It's, it's, Pardon? It's, it's Perkins Institute that you went to? Yeah, that, that's okay. in Watertown. Yeah, all right. Uh, and and so they put you in the fifth grade, whether you wanted to be or there or not. Yeah, yeah. And well, when I was in the fifth grade, I, uh, you know, I was out a lot in by uh, braille class, mm-hmm. uh, learning uh, learning braille. Yeah. And uh, then at the end of that year, uh, they said, uh, well. We're going to have you uh, repeat the fifth grade. Do said, oh, my I, I, I'll be in the fifth grade for three years. So you're going to have to repeat the fifth grade. Yeah. This will be your. Said, uh, you were out so much learning Braille that uh, you missed a lot of the, the fifth grade uh, uh, work that was being done. So this will be your third year in the fifth grade. Yeah. Good heavens. So the only thing I could do is agree with them. 
Yeah, you didn't have a lot of choice, did you? Yeah. And uh, then, then after that, after the third year, fifth fifth grade, I uh, I moved along uh, to the sixth grade. And, uh, my uh, my braille, I I learned the braille thoroughly uh, with my teacher, and I. I don't remember exactly, but I suspect it might have been a year, and I knew the Braille thoroughly, mm-hmm. but I never could get any speed in it. Um, so, like right now, I could I could never read a Braille book for enjoyment, or I could never read. Uh, you know, a lot of Braille, mm-hmm. uh, but I do depend on it uh, quite a bit for uh, uh, notes, uh-huh. notes and uh, labeling things, and um, so it was uh, a very good thing to learn. And, uh, yeah, sure it was. But uh, you, like me, you just you never could never could grasp it to read it very fast. Yeah, right. Yeah, I got to have the same problem. There are good blind braille readers in there, the ones of us who just who just can't do it. I just never could. Uh, and uh, you, right. you had the same uh, the same problem. But it is it is a useful, and I I'm not advocating that they that they stop teaching it in school. I think it's a good thing for those yeah. who can use it. Yeah. But uh, um, uh, the uh, <clears throat> like the first summer that uh, that I when I came home from Perkins and. Uh, uh, I had some uh, Braille books with me, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess my mother had the uh, had the print copy, and uh, she used to make me uh, make me read uh, during the summer. And uh, of course, I was very very slow. And she says, "Well, you know, if you keep on practicing, you'll get some speed." But uh, here it is, fifty years later, and I don't have that speed. I didn't have the speed because I didn't. I, I hid those braille books when I got home in the summer. I hid them so they wouldn't find them. Wouldn't oh, make me oh. read. I put mine. I stuck. I stuck mine under the bed or something so maybe nobody'd yeah. see them and they wouldn't try to make me read them because I didn't like braille. I didn't want to read it. I didn't. It was slow. It was cumbersome. It was tiring to me. I had a lot of things I'd rather be doing than reading braille. Right. Yeah, that's it, I think. <laughs> but you did okay at math and geography and the rest of the subjects, a lot of the other subjects? Uh, yeah, re- reasonably uh, good. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, the, uh, after I get out of the sixth grade and uh, went into, uh, say, like uh, junior high school, uh-huh. uh, they started giving more homework. And uh, they would give give us uh, like an English class, maybe twenty pages of Braille to read a night. And I was lucky if I could get through one page. Uh, <laughs> so, as a consequence, as a consequence, yeah. I had, yeah. uh, I didn't uh, pass all the classes. Uh huh. Uh, that first year, uh, and uh, I think they they knew that I 
couldn't read uh, Braille very fast. But uh, still, I had the uh, uh, I had to do the uh, the same assignment, uh-huh. and uh, I and and <clears throat> I found that uh, sitting in the back of the room uh, didn't uh, make too much difference uh, because uh, the teacher would know that I was there anyway. And uh, you know, like in uh, sighted classes, I I I've heard uh, uh, this guy that. Uh, didn't want to be called on. He sat in the back of the room and sort of hid. <laughs> but it didn't uh, yeah. didn't work with the uh, with the teachers because uh, most of the teachers were blind too. And uh, <clears throat> I would sort of uh, bluff my way through it and uh, get through it somehow. I know the feeling. I did the same thing. I couldn't read Braille. I couldn't read. It would if you started me on twenty pages of Braille now. At this time next week, I might be through five or six of them. Yeah, I just can't do it. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, if you can't do Braille, then you can't get through the blind school. So I, I bluffed my way through eight or nine grades, but uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't graduate from Perkins. No, no, that's. That's one thing I wanted to mention, that all, right. all the people that I've heard you interview are uh, have graduated, have gone to college, mm-hmm. done everything, but I didn't even graduate high school. I didn't either. Oh. I didn't graduate high school. I quit them in the 10th grade. Yeah, I quit him at the end, end of the ninth grade. I was quitting, and so they sent a letter home saying that they didn't want Phil to come back. But I wasn't oh. going back anyway. I, they already knew that. I'd already made it abundantly clear. Told them all yeah. to go to hell. I wasn't coming back. Yeah, I didn't want to tune pianos, and I didn't want to cane chairs, and I didn't want to make brooms. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know that it wasn't any of those. Not that there's anything wrong with doing any of those things. It just wasn't what I wanted to right. do. And, of course, at that point in time, at 18 years old, I knew more than anybody in the whole world. Oh, yeah. I was uh, really smart. Uh, yeah. And so I, I quit them. I did not graduate high school. I quit in the at the uh, end of the ninth grade. Or they asked me not to come back at the end of the ninth grade, and that's as far as I well, went. Well, I, I think that's when I uh, got out, too. I uh, was in Perkins until the ninth grade. Uh-huh. And uh, then I... Uh, I was so interested in automobiles at that time that uh, I said to I said to my father, "Gee, I want to go to a trade school where I can learn about automobiles uh, instead of uh, staying here." And uh, for some reason, he agreed with me, and he didn't uh, he didn't try to talk me out of it. And uh, at the time, uh, uh, well, like I say, he was a he was a uh, sort of like a salesman, mm-hmm. and he would always be traveling around different places and and uh, spreading the word about about me and uh, where I could go to school. And uh, after uh, after a few months, he. He uh, finally said, uh, well, I just can't find anything because uh, everybody says uh, 
blind. We can't teach a blind person. And uh, so we finally found this school that was uh, down the south shore. It was probably, oh, maybe 10 miles from my house. And it was called Silver Lake Regional High School. Mm -hmm. And at that high school, they taught automotive. Uh, it, that was one of the courses, and uh, it was, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, I couldn't, couldn't believe it because all these other schools that my father went to, uh, they said, oh, no, of course not. We couldn't teach a blind person to work yeah. on automobiles. And uh, this school, Silver Lake, when he went to that, he says, the uh, the, uh, the director of the principal said, "Sure, we can teach them." So <laughs> that sort of surprised us an awful lot. So there, you had all the tools you needed: had a, an air wrench and and yeah. all, all the you know spark plug wrenches and all the the necessary tools to really learn uh, what cars were automobiles were made of and how they worked. Right. Yeah. So this was, how old were you? About 16 now? Um, 15, 16 years old now? Let's see. Uh, what year was yeah, this? Maybe I was six, 16. 16, and you weren't yeah. doing any good in school. There wasn't any point in you going back to school. You weren't going to get any better at, uh, you know. Right. Uh, you I weren't... think that's maybe what my father realized. But uh, this uh, this school was, it was one week. We would spend the whole week in the automotive shop uh -huh. uh, working on cars and, and learning about different things. And then the next week, we would spend in the classroom with related subjects, uh, which were, uh, you know, the book work about automobiles and then the uh, uh, Oh, there was uh, science involved and math involved. Mm -hmm. And the only other two subjects that we needed to uh, uh, get our diploma was uh, English and history. And uh, I got uh, I got started there in, in the related uh, class, and that was working out uh, very well. Mm -hmm. And... I said, uh, well, when am I going to start to go to English and history? And the director of the school said, oh, we can't teach you that. So uh, I was kind of surprised on that. But they were teaching you about automobiles. Right. Did you discover to begin with that sometimes... There occasionally there are jobs that actually you're better off if you can't see because you can use your hands. You don't have yeah. to get your have to get your eyes on them. Yeah, yeah. You you, you yeah. figured that out pretty quick. And um, these uh, the English and history. I used to still go to those classes, and I used to uh, participate in them, and. Uh, I got uh, Braille books. Uh -huh. My father used to uh, read a lot of stuff to me, and I did uh, a lot of the same stuff that the kids did. 
that the other kids did. Yeah. But still, they would not recognize the fact that I was uh, I was doing the stuff, and I I was probably getting better marks than than some of the other kids were. <laughs> but um, so that was uh, that was an attitude that sort of really surprised us, and uh, basically that's why I never got my high school diploma. Because they wouldn't recognize the fact that you uh, were actually doing all right in history and English. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you learned a lot about automobiles, learned a lot about cars and how they worked right. then, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you at some point in time, you quit them. Did you go to work at an automobile shop, at a, a mechanic shop or what? Uh, yeah, I did work for a while in a garage. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Um, but, uh, it didn't, it didn't work out, uh, too good, uh, because, well, this one garage that I, that I worked in, uh, I was, uh, I can remember this pretty clearly. I was, I was, uh, changing a tire on a, uh, on a tire machine. And, uh, and we're taking the tire off the wheel and putting a new tire on that wheel? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, it was a tubeless tire, so uh-huh. you put something around the tire to squeeze it to the rim, and then you start putting the ear in, and all of a sudden the tire will pop up to the to the rim. And stay there. And, and and stayed there and hauled the air in. Yeah. And uh, I had my I had my fingers right you know on that tire, and uh, I was just looking at the you know tire to see how it would go up against the rim, and uh, uh, I uh, didn't have my fingers in there when it popped up, but I guess there was somebody that was looking at me and said uh, and said to the boss, boy, you know, if he ever got his fingers caught in there, he could sue you for all you, all you have. <laughs> and um, as a result, uh, I didn't work there anymore. Well, that could ha- the same thing can happen to a sighted person. Right. If they got their fingers caught in there. Right. But he 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 let you go after that, and and, and I always I always think uh, to myself, well, gee, if I got my fingers caught in there, it would be my fault. Yes, it would be. Yeah. Uh, so um, I didn't uh, after that. I didn't get too many automotive jobs. I, well, I remember doing. Uh, Doing a few jobs at home, like doing a brake job uh-huh. and uh, a few other things uh, for uh, di- different customers. And uh, at that time, I was I was still so interested in cars that uh, somebody put into my mind the fact that uh, I could uh, build a race car. And uh, have somebody drive it on a on a racetrack, uh-huh. and 
I got interested in that, and I started working on uh, those, it was uh, called the stock car at that time. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, like a, a stock car, I guess, is a name for a, uh, you know, uh, you know, a race car, I guess. Uh, and uh, I, I, uh, somebody gave me an old car, an old Chevy or something, uh-huh. and uh, I started doing all the things to it that you're supposed to get ready, ready for it to, uh, uh, to race it. And uh, when I say build a, build a stock car, yet, uh, actually what you're doing is unbuilding it. Because you're taking every single thing out of out of the car that you don't need, that will make uh, the car uh, lighter. Sure. Uh, including the uh, uh, all the glass in the windows, the mechanism to make the uh, windows go up, and all the seats, and uh, all the glass except for the windshield. And uh, then you do a few other things to it. And, uh-huh. uh, at the time, I had another blind friend that uh, actually was a, a blind friend that uh, I went to Perkins with. And uh, he is still my friend, and uh, he lives a couple of miles from here. And we're, we're still... So you're still friends? We're, we're still friends. And you went to Perkins School here. That's wonderful. That's, that's yep. great. And so y'all were taking this car and stripping it down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I, like, I was doing one by myself, and uh, we uh, we got it to, uh, we raced it. I, I actually advertised in the paper for a driver uh-huh. for it, and... Uh, I guess that was no problem because, uh, you know, everybody wanted to drive a stock race car. <laughs> and you fa- you found somebody to, to drive it for you. Yeah. And uh, then uh, uh, I said, gee, how are we going to get this uh, stock car to the racetrack, which was probably uh, maybe 30 miles away? Yeah, you need a trailer uh, to and, do that uh, with. I said, well, I, I've seen a few trailers that they have down uh, down at the racetrack, and it seems like they're pretty uh, easy to build. So uh, uh, I talked to my father about it a little bit, and we, you know, discussed how we'd, how we'd build one, and at the time there happened to be uh, a junkyard not too far from us that was, uh, it had all kinds of pipe and, and construction stuff. Not a junkyard for, for automobiles, but mm-hmm. had all kinds of pipe in it that uh, you could get for uh, next to nothing. Scrap metal. Scrap, uh, scrap iron. Scrap, scrap metal, yeah. Yeah. But you couldn't uh, weld. Pardon? You couldn't weld. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could? That's, that's when I learned how to weld. You learned how to weld? Yeah. Well, that's pretty amazing in and of itself. Did you did you put goggles on when you welded? Oh yes. Yep. 
Yeah, definitely, because uh, like a lot of people used to say, uh, well, what do you need? Uh, uh, I would actually have a, a helmet. Yeah, a welding helmet on. And they would say, well, what do you need a helmet for? You, you can't see it anyway. And uh, the thing is that the radiation that the welding makes is very, very dangerous for for anybody's eyes, uh, uh, whether they're uh, uh, blind or not. And uh, also, the you know, you might get splatter. Might get faint. Yeah, you might get sparks. Or you might get splatter. Sure, on your face. Yeah. So you, your father went and bought a welding rig, or you already had one, or what? Well, we already had one, um, and uh, this is an electric welder. There's an electric welder and a, and a gas welder, mm-hmm. and uh, the electric welder seemed to be the easiest one for me to use. And uh, what it is is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with with the welder, but you uh, you more or less strike an arc with it and hold that arc and move it along the metal that you want to uh, weld. And, yeah, uh, and and you melt the you melt the welding welding rod, uh, yeah. and it fuses the metal together. Yeah. Um, and um, there's uh, uh, like like the trick is that trick is that you have to hold the the welding rod a certain distance from the metal, you know, maybe a eighth inch above the metal or something uh-huh. like that, uh, to continue this arc because if it touched the metal, it would stick. And it would, uh, it wouldn't do anything, and you'd have to pull it off. Um, and I just happened to to find, in fact, I, I I guess my father was in on it too. Uh, we happened to find some welding rod that, uh, like the weld regular welding rod had uh, flux on the outside of it. Mm-hmm. And it was like uh, like a hard shell, and the flux would burn uh, at the same rate as the rod would burn, and uh, the flux would sort of, would more or less cover up the the weld, so no oxygen would would get to it while you're welding. Uh-huh. Uh, or uh, something like that. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, these rods that we got were rods with the the flux that burned slower than the rod. So I could actually uh, touch the metal with the rod in the the flux. Uh, shell would be touching uh, the metal, while the the rod, you know, maybe eighth inch up inside was yeah. burning. So uh, I didn't have to hold an arc. I could actually feel uh, where I was. 
because like the the welding rod is about a foot foot long, and uh, you have to uh, sort of wiggle it around a little bit as you as you're moving it uh, along to sort of stir up the pool of molten uh, metal. Yeah. And uh, you would move the rod along very, very slowly, and uh, that flux would be burning uh, slower than the rod, and uh, it uh, it really worked out uh, perfect that way, I think. And you got to where you could tell where you were, uh, and you could actually do this yourself. Yes. By yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of times, I, I uh, I'd weld something. If I was welding a smaller piece, uh, I would be uh, I would be impatient, and I I would want to see what what I did. So you'd touch it. Uh, so I would. Uh, well, I think a couple of times I came pretty close to touching it, and. That was the wrong thing to do because it was still red hot. Well, sure it was. You just uh, melted it. Of course so it was red hot. What I used to like to do is uh, weld in the wintertime, so i just take the piece <laughs> and throw it outside in the snow, and it would cool off pretty quick. And you could look at it. And I could look at it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But uh, uh, I'd have to wear, wear gloves and... Uh, 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 keep uh, keep covered covered up. Um, so uh, I did enjoy that uh, very much, and I still still have that welder, and uh, but uh, I don't use it very much. All right, so we're we're getting close to the end here. What did you did you work on cars most of your life, or what did you end up doing as a career? Well, uh, at that time. When uh, when I decided to build the stock car, uh, the uh, I guess the, I was in the process of building a stock car, and then the Commission for the Blind found me a job in a shoe factory, uh-huh. and I says, "Wow, how am I going to build a stock car in?" Uh, and go to work, but uh, but I did. But and you did. Also, at that time, I got uh, uh, I talked to this fellow that wanted me to make picnic tables for him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, I made uh, picnic tables in um, you know big big amounts. Uh-huh. We used to take trail loads uh, full of picnic tables to uh, to this guy. So all these things happened within a very short time, uh, within a year, I'd say. And uh, I was I was busy as ever. <laughs> How long did you work at the shoe factory? Uh, not very long. I. I I guess it was probably six months. So you didn't. So. You didn't like that. You didn't care for that job. And I didn't yeah. like it. And plus, they they said I wasn't uh, fast enough at it. Uh, 
I didn't do the work fast. All right, we're, we're getting uh, we've 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 we're just about out of time. What did you end up? How did you end up making a living, or did you? Well, uh, uh, with the picnic tables, okay, and uh, with uh, getting a few jobs, uh, you know, fixing people's cars, doing odd jobs, working on cars, and uh, making all kinds of uh, woodwork and things from bookcases to cabinets to. Uh, I made uh, hundreds of bookcases, and uh, and I still I still do make the bookcases. Do you still have a wood shop? Yeah, yeah. Right. What's what's in your wood shop? Well, I have uh, <clears throat> I have uh, a table saw, okay. a hand saw, All right. a metal lathe, a jointer, a sander, a router, uh, two two drill presses, and um, all, all kinds of uh, small. Uh, power tools like routers and uh, yeah drills and and uh, 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 yeah electric screwdrivers now and yeah all kinds of things like that yeah and uh, I don't uh, I don't make too much money doing that now I more or less just uh, just putter around and, and make places to hang up things because just recently I made my, my my shop was uh, was 24 by 30 feet uh-huh. and I figured I didn't need that much room so I uh, divided it in half uh, built a partition down the middle of it and uh, I managed to get all my machines in one pot uh-huh. it's, uh, it's easier to heat uh, easier to go out there in the winter time and uh, uh, you know, as far as as far as big woodworking jobs, uh, I, I I think I'm done uh, with that. Uh, but you were able to make a living just kind of fooling around, working on a few cars and building a little woodwork, and yeah, and you were able to see, been able to survive all this because you'd be you I think a year younger than me. You were born 41. Uh, yeah, I was born 40, so you're 63. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a year older than you. I'm 64. Well, uh, life has been all right. You you've certainly gotten through it to this point, haven't you? Yeah. No yeah. point in giving up now, is there? No. I'm. Uh, <clears throat> of course, I'm into computers now, and I'm just so thrilled with that because, uh, like, a computer gives me the uh, ability to uh, to write and listen to yeah. what I wrote, write and, and uh, spell it out and everything. And I'm just uh, fascinated with that on the computer every day uh, the, the, as well the, as out in my shop. The best thing to happen to blind people ever was the talking computer. 